Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly marriage hour here on Trending with Timory. If you have a question about dating, relationships, or marriage, now's your hour giving a candid Catholic take. Numbers 1 888 914 9149. Joining me in just a few minutes will be Edward Surrey, the author of a number of books, including the book, The Good, The Messy, and The Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. We're going to talk about falling in love, how it's easy, but growing in love together is hard. Do you find just in your marriage, things get difficult. We'll talk about divorce of the heart. That's not where you are divorced, uh, but where you have this separation, this chasm occurring between you and your spouse. We'll talk about four walls that are put up and how to heal those. So joining me in just a moment will be Edward Surrey here on Trending. Um, We're going to talk also today about uniting our suffering to Christ with St. Padre Pio. I thought it was most, I think, relevant especially when we're talking about suffering, sometimes within the context of marriage as well. So we'll talk about that a little later on with the guidance of St. Padre Pio and some of his writings. And I found this question fascinating. We'll talk about it later. Could you miss finding the right person or could you miss finding a spouse in general? At a certain point, if you just haven't found your spouse, maybe you missed that person that was out there. The ship has sailed. So we'll talk about that and take your questions. The number's 1-888-914-9149. Again, you can always ask your questions on social media as well. Just follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Theologian, author of a number of books on theology, faith, and one of the co-founders of Focus Missionaries is Edward Surrey. He's here with me on Trending, and we're talking about one of his latest books on marriage, The Good, the Messy, and the Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. Edward Surrey, welcome back to Trending. Thanks so much for having me again. Let's talk about your book. There are a lot of incredible themes there. And one of the challenges that many people find is, you know, you have those moments where you're falling in love, the dating process, it's so wooing, it's fun. The engagement process, newlyweds, some people say they have a great first year and not so great first year, but then you get months or years or decades into your marriage and your book touches on the messy moments and finding the beautiful in the midst of that and really what God is calling us to in our ups and downs. And at one point you say in your book that falling in love is easy, but growing in love together is hard. And I thought that was was such a poignant statement uh, for the marriage culture that we all find ourselves in today. Yeah, you know, especially in my work with Focus and just working with college students and young adults all around the country, 
it, something my wife and I often hear is, you know, people say, you know, we're Catholic and we love Jesus. We pray, we, you know, we go to adoration and we know marriage will be hard, but then they, then they get married and then they tell us we had no idea how hard. Oh my goodness. We had no idea how awesome marriage is, but also how demanding it is and uh, how much we can hurt each other, but how much it's so beautiful and we're growing in love. It's just something, nothing can really prepare you for the reality of the marriage that you're going to enter into. Even the best of marriage prep programs can't really get you ready for this. And so we really wanted to write a book that talked about the what we like to call the realities of marriage, not the not the heady theology. I, I teach that in the classroom and write about that. Of course, it's good, but, uh, but, but not and and not the more superficial kind of self-help books out there about marriage. Here's seven ways to have better communication with your spouse. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that that doesn't really get to the heart of the matter. We wanted to really just talk about the reality of when God brings two people together. It's beautiful, but it's it's also challenging. And a lot of young we we see this. We see a lot of young couples. They'll get into marriage and in maybe the first three months or the first three years, they're disillusioned. Like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. Oh my goodness, this is we, we this other person is bothering me in a way I never noticed before when we were just engaged. Or wow, I'm really hurt right now. Or I I have to give it more than I ever imagined. And they can find it to be very shocking and and maybe they'll be disillusioned about marriage. And what my wife and I wanted to just offer people, we do a lot of mentoring of couples, and it's just to say, hey, if you're feeling those things, you have these little low points in your marriage, don't press the panic button. It's okay. It just means the sacrament's working. The, the question is, what do you do now? Uh, and so when you hit on that line that you noticed in our book, that falling in love is easy, like like you don't have to work at that, right? You just meet this wonderful, beautiful person, mm. and you just want to be with her all the time, right? That's easy. But when you actually have to serve and forgive and deny yourself and sacrifice and constantly be thinking of the other and not yourself, that's really, really hard. Um, one last thing I'll say is that like, I remember a friend of mine when I was single, I remember I was in graduate school and one of my friends got married over the summer and we came back in the fall semester and I said, hey, how's, how's marriage going? And he just looked down, shook his head and said, you know what? I never realized how selfish I was until I got mm. married. <laughs> and, and I think <laughs> marriage is, puts a spotlight on our, how selfish we are. And, but it, not, not to shame us, but to, to point out like these are the things God actually wants to work on in our hearts. And that's part of our, our <laughs> right. sanctification is actually responding heroically, generously um, with mercy in those moments. It's funny you mentioned that because I think most married individuals, when they go to confession, they usually take baggage from their bad habits and the terrible things they've done in the day-to-days. A simple moment-to-moment instances offending or hurting their spouse, right? When you go to confession, those are often those things that come up. And it was funny, I was in confession last week and Father on the Feast of St. Padre Pio recommended I read this meditation uh, that St. Padre Pio wrote on uniting our sufferings to Christ. And I'm going to talk about that a little later on here in Trending, but it reminded me of a citation you made of St. John Paul II in your book where you talked about how God calls us in the events, as St. John Paul II says, the events, problems, and difficulties and circumstances 
of daily married life. And I think that's so true. And there's this reconciliation that has to happen where we see, you know, as Catholics, we have this understanding of suffering and redemptive suffering and that we're all called to the cross. But sometimes people have a hard time uh, grappling with the idea that when you're hugging your spouse, you're hugging your cross in a certain respect as well. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, you know, you've heard that expression that like when people get a couple, Catholic couple gets married, you know, what's your mission as a husband, as a wife? It's to get your spouse to heaven. You know, it's a popular saying. And and I remember when I was young and newly married, I was very inspired by that. I, I want to help my wife get to heaven. That's my goal. You know, I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to make sacrifices for her and make sure she has time for prayer. And I'll when we have babies, I'll be the spiritual head of the home and I'll lead by my example and all these great like noble ideals, you know, and I'm sure God loved it, but he also probably chuckled a bit as well. Because in the end, I, I would say over the years, I realize it's true. I That is my mission is to help Beth get to heaven. But the main way I do that isn't through all of those things. It's, it's, it's this. Every day of her life, Beth has to deal with me. <laughs> she, she has to deal with my pride, my selfishness, my quirks, my hurts from my past, my insecurities, all of those those things. And and she's learning in that process to love more like Jesus loves. Because when you think about Jesus on the cross and the way he loves, that's the real model, right? We think about it as this, you know, as this amazing love of God, but how did he feel that day? He he was unappreciated. He was misunderstood by the people he came to save. He he was a bit, you know let down by his closest friends. You know, almost all of them abandoned him that day. They weren't there for him. He had moments where you know there were people saying hurtful words. There were hurtful actions. And how did he respond to all of that? With love. He continued to love without expecting anything back. And and quite frankly, that's what marriage is. Marriage is full of times where we misunderstand each other. We don't appreciate each other as well as we should. We have moments when we feel let down, like, oh, my spouse just wasn't there for me in that moment. Or we have moments when the other person, maybe there's a hurtful word spoken, you know, and, and, and what do we do in those moments? I, I think that's that right there. That's a moment where Jesus is inviting us to love like he loves uh, and, and we don't, and like, I love the image you, you used of like, you're sitting there cuddling with the one you love and realize, well, this is my cross too. It's just, you know, we're all, we're all broken. We're all full of original sin. We all have our messiness and that just all comes out in marriage. And the key is, well, when, when that rises to the surface, do I still love my spouse like Jesus loves? Or if I, if I get all defensive and I get all angry and I withdraw and I build a wall and I give her the silent treatment. That's those are all signs of a problem not out there in her. And, and there may be there may be things she needs to work on, but it's more of a sign when I have those reactions, it's a mm -hmm. sign of a problem in me. And I should be asking, what is God inviting me to work on and to change? And, you know, and and and, and I think that's that's hard for people to think about because I, I want my spouse to fulfill me and make me feel good about myself. That's the modern view of love and marriage. That's not the Christian view. Not at all. I'm called to love my spouse in her weaknesses, and she's called to love me uh, without expecting anything back. One of the reasons why I love reading books such as yours and your wife's, and by the way, I forgot to give your wife credit because you co-authored this book yourself, Edward Surrey and Beth Surrey, uh, this book, The Good, The Messy, and The Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. We're posting a link on social media as well as in the podcast notes if you'd like to pick it up. Well, 
also tag on social media my guest today, Edward Surrey. Um, but we, I think it's interesting because earlier today, so kind of just a story, um, I like meditating on these topics because when we have good role models of marriage, we're being told over and over again, sometimes what we think we know but need to hear more often, uh, we're reminded of it. And a great example, I was finishing reading your book earlier today. You have these moments where you're kind of on this marriage hive. Yes, I need to work on myself and my marriage. And here we are, my husband gets home early because we're getting ready to head out of town. So I'm so grateful. Wow, what a surprise. You get home a few hours early. And I'm 28 weeks pregnant and he starts frying onions in a house that is now closed up because it's freezing cold here in the Midwest already. And the fried onions are just reeking the entire house. And I'm just dying. I'm ready to just vacate the entire house. And then the smell is just lingering and lingering. <laughs> and then he's having to take care of some stuff for work and whatnot. And there's grease all over what was the clean stove before he got home. And I'm <laughs> starting to boil up and I'm getting angrier and angrier. And I'm about ready to go pound on the door and tell him that he left everything out. And there's there's grease grease it's making the house smell worse and now I have to open windows and it's cold and I'm building up and then I'm reminded this is why we need to hear from books such as yours the inspiration of the saints why we need that accountability of confession because just reading that book today you know walking through the important aspects of working on ourselves in marriage I had this moment where I went this is a moment for humility for me and Timory just bite your tongue Go clean up the oil that is not meant to be something that offends or hurts you. Your husband was hungry when he got home from work and heated himself up some food. You know, it's as simple as that. And I was like, wow, this didn't end up being a fight. I didn't get mad at him. But I don't think I would have had that moment today had it not been for, again, hearing inspiring content about the real life challenges of marriage and what we're called to in humbling ourselves in those moments that sometimes are legitimate to become annoyed, but are even more legitimate to bring about grace and sanctification in us, not the other person, which is what sometimes we try to do. Wow, what a story. I'm picturing that going, I, I, I am sad to admit, I've been your husband. I've done just almost exactly the same <laughs> thing. Maybe it was an onions, it was something else, and and the, and the same thing. And I'll say those those were moments that did lead to little tensions and blowups and in our marriage uh in years past but i think over time like you know we i think we both learned to be a little a little more thoughtful my wife i wish she were here right now because she she would be laughing she she should tell you five stories about me <laughs> but 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 also my wife is really good at not just like lowering the temperature of the room you know like not getting heated up but she'll she will address it with me though she goes hey honey i know you're rushed right now and you didn't think about this but Next time, could you just not put the grease all over? <laughs> like, and and she'll <laughs> she'll say it, you know. And she is frustrated, but she says it with a smile, and it makes me feel not defensive because it's not like I want to make a mess for my wife. I'm not trying to make her life miserable, you know. Uh, and so, but but she says it in the right way. Like, I just go, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll I'll try to get better next time, you know. But this <laughs> this is the stuff of marriage. Every couple has this this stuff that comes up. Uh, and it, what it's doing is it, it's giving us these these opportunities to to love more. I think you know it's it's an opportunity to love Jesus and our spouse in in those difficult moments. I keep thinking of a story, and you mentioned how good your your wife is at just kind of de-escalating and being kind in these situations where you shared in your book about how you had said something that you knew was just so hurtful, and 
you said her response was what just was the game changer. And if you could share a little bit about that moment, because I think it's really inspiring to hear when one spouse is, you know, having a stronger moment than the other, how you can totally de-escalate a situation uh, in a really good way that allows for a path forward rather than this circular fighting that can most more commonly occur. Yeah. And what we were doing is, you know, again, you could go to the Barnes and Noble and find a secular book about, you know, arguing well and things, and it might offer good tips. But what we were reflecting on was a deeper kind of theological principle from John Paul II, um, where he teaches about like when, if you want to engage, if you want to measure how much you love, like you want to get a thermometer, I'm like, do I really love my spouse? Don't ask like, you know, you know, when you're out on date night and she looks really pretty, you know, ask yourself when she lets you down when she frustrates you, even when she hurts you. What do you do in those moments? Like, because John Paul II says, real love doesn't withdraw its love. You know, it doesn't build up this big wall at that moment. No, no, real love continues to love the person without approving of the wrong they're doing, but remains committed. I think that's, this is the theological piece. You know, as a Catholic, I'm bound in by marriage to my wife. You know, we're happily stuck together, like no matter what, right? But I'm called to love her and, and even when there's these these hurts and, and conflict and tension, and and so I shared in the book, yeah, it's a it's a great moment. Uh, this was early on in our marriage when, you know, there's some tension, and I I was unloading groceries and she's putting groceries up in a cabinet, and I'm over by the table unloading, and I said something I don't even remember what it was about, but it had a tone of voice, a little edge to it, <laughs> you know, and and those words as soon as they got to her ears. She had a can she was about to put in this, you know, shelf and it just stops in midair. And then she slowly puts the can back down on the counter, leans <laughs> on the counter, takes a deep breath. And then I'm thinking, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. <laughs> but instead of I should have just said I'm sorry right away, but I didn't do that. I, I was just kind of trying to, oh, I hope I she doesn't catch the nuance. Well, I, I figured I, she did catch the nuance. But then she looks over at me and instead of like, she could have yelled at me. She could have gone, why did you say that? Thing? You know, don't you understand? You shouldn't treat me that way. You know, and that's what many people would do. Or she could have given me the silent treatment. That would have been worse. Uh, she could have thrown the can at me in anger. You know, many different things she could have done. But what she chose to do instead was she, she called me on it. That's the, you know, she said, you didn't mean that, did you? And she said it with a little smile. <laughs> you know, you didn't mean that, did you? In other words, like she didn't judge my heart. I think this is one big thing we get into in when there's tensions in marriage is we, we just, we almost, we react really strongly thinking like, how dare she do this? Why doesn't he say this? And we, and we immediately judge the person's heart thinking like they, they're waking up on Tuesday morning trying to frustrate us. But when I just step back and think about it, I go, no, no, my wife loves me. She wants to love me. Yes, there was a little misstep here, and you know, and 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 we need to address it. But it's not like she's trying to throw arrows at me or something, and vice versa. So in this moment, my wife, when she says, "You didn't mean that, did you?" She called me on it, but in a way that didn't judge my intentions. I mean, she had a sense I probably was already feeling badly about it, and and it just gave me the freedom to say sorry. I think too often we either escalate, like you said, you know, the raise the voices, and you know, or what, the other thing we can do is ignore the problem and just be just like she's hurt, but she doesn't say anything because she doesn't feel safe to say anything. And so she buries mm. it. That is never healthy because that'll lead to an explosion later that night or later that week because we're human. Like, we just can't just stuff all that stuff down. It, it's going to come out either in a dysfunctional way 
or in a healthy way. And if we remember that no matter what's going, what happens in the marriage, I'm committed to my spouse, no matter what. And, and yes, they might've been a misstep and I might need to address it, but I don't want to do it in a way that's judging their heart, putting them in a box. They're always this way and they'll never change. And she's never going to understand when we have those voices in our heads. That's never, that's not from God. That is not from God. That is from the devil. The devil puts that in our head because he, he wants to divide us, you know, and he'll use little things like this to make them much bigger to, to put a wall in our marriage. And, and again, I, I'm thankful. My wife actually, she, she does this well, um, that she does call me on my many foibles, but oftentimes in a very healthy way that gives me the freedom just to, to say sorry. Because if she escalates, I just get more defensive. <laughs> and I'll say, but you started it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then it ends in you know, more tension. Uh, but when we can just gently just say, did you mean it that way? Or did, can, can I make sure I understand? You know, you know, like we're calling them on it, but in a way that gives them the chance to say sorry. And then we could say, I forgive you. The, the six most basic words. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I forgive you. So important in every marriage. Amen. That's Edward Surrey, the author of the new book on marriage that he wrote, The Good, the Messy, and the Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. You can get your copy now available online. We post links on social media to pick it up. I'm also giving a free copy away as well. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, and we'll post about that in just a few minutes here if you'd like to learn about how to pick up that free copy. We're going to come back during our weekly marriage hour talking everything marriage, relationships, dating. If you have a question for my guest, Edward Suri today, the number is 1-888-914-9149. We're going to talk about divorce of the heart when you're not separated, but there's this chasm growing between you and some of those walls that can go up when you're struggling in your marriage. We'll be right back here on Trending. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to our weekly marriage hour here on Trending with Timory. If you have a question, number is 1-888-914-9149, especially if you have a question for my guest, Edward Sarihi, and his wife, Beth Sarihi, wrote a recent book, The Good, the Messy, and the Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. So if you have a question for him, he's been married 20 years, eight children, now is your opportunity. Before we get back to our conversation with Edward Suri, I'd like to invite you, if you like a free copy of Patrick Madrid's new book, Inquisition, this is your last chance. Get yours before they're all gone at relevantradio.com slash quiz. Test your knowledge of the Catholic faith and have fun quizzing your family and friends. So get your free copy today before it's too late. Again, that's relevantradio.com slash quiz. That's relevantradio.com slash quiz. Edward Cerise here with me. I want to dive into a topic. Uh, it's actually a full chapter in your book on the idea of divorce of the heart. A uh, chasm can grow so easily uh, between spouses. And we live in a culture where uh, divorce is very acceptable, but I admire many people who say, no, we, we draw the line at divorce, but then that chasm grows and grows and grows. Uh, It's where you're tolerating the other person. There's perhaps no closeness. You talk about in your book is living parallel lives together, but not really 
together. You're showing those outward signs of togetherness, uh, which in many ways can be very good. You know, you're you're not following what the culture is doing, but how, I guess the question is, how do we grow away from that? How do you rebuild and repair in your marriage? I think maybe, maybe it'd be worth just even just looking at like, how do we get, to, how does someone get there to that point? You know, because looking at the roots, I think is important. Um, you know, because you go into marriage thinking I'm, I'm marrying my best friend, we're going to grow, you know, in love and unity, because that's a great marriage. A great marriage isn't just one that stays together. And God bless the many couples that do stay together through many hearts and tensions and difficulties and trials. I mean, it's quite heroic in, in many situations. At the same time, we know that that's not what was on our hearts when we first get married. Like if, if you were to have me on your show next year and you said, hey, Dr. Shree, how's thing with that? How are things going in your marriage with Beth? And I just said, oh, it's amazing. We haven't divorced yet. It's awesome. And, you know, that's like like that's just like a such the minimal bar, right? You know, a marriage that is that just stays together it doesn't necessarily mean it's a great marriage. A great marriage is one in which husband and wife can look each other in the eye 10, 20, 30 years in their marriage and say, I love you more now today than I did when we were first married. So it's growing in trust, closeness, intimacy emotional connection heart to heart you know that that that's what we long for but you know we've seen just over the years working with various couples you know do, you know that it, it doesn't just like happen overnight all of a sudden oh wow they're at each other's they just don't like being together it just starts like with small things and i think that's maybe the thing to do is to protect the unity of the marriage even on those small things you know so for example we write in the book about like different stages that this can happen like first you just start avoiding certain topics with your spouse because you know if i bring that up he's just not going to understand she's going to get upset you know so you just dance around you know you've tried to share something on your heart before and he just kind of crushes it or you know you you bring up something with one of the kids and she just says no i don't want to think about that or you know it, and and it just caused has caused tension when you know, you're, you wanted to bring up something or your beloved wanted to bring up something and there, there was tension and conflict and hurt. So you just start to develop a pattern of, I, I'm just going to avoid bringing up those topics. And I think, no, I want to be clear, like just the last week, you know, we had, there was something I knew I, that we needed to get done related to our taxes. And, you know, I, I could just say, hey, we need taxes, we need taxes. And I just sensed one night my wife was overwhelmed with some other things happening with the kids. We had someone sick and different things. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to bring this up tonight. So that's prudent, right? That's just a loving, thoughtful thing. Okay. Yeah. We got to think about this, but maybe today's not the right day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when there's something, you know, you really have on your heart. Like I, I, I really, I think this would be great for our family. And then the other person's like, no, we can't do it. And then you're afraid to ever share your dream or you want to bring up something about the relationship. Like, you know, when this happens, I don't feel, you know, like I'm being treated well in that moment and I'm afraid to bring it up. And then what happens is because when you've tried to bring it up in the past, you tried to share something on your heart, it, it, it your heart was crushed. And so you just stop talking about those things. If we have that in our marriage, that's, that's a great time to just do an examination of conscience and ask, it, what am I doing something that keeps my my beloved from sharing her heart with me right and 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 not point at her but just saying you know what it, you know she keeps saying she wants to talk about something and I keep shooting this down I need to change maybe there's something I'm doing that's making it not feel safe for her to give her heart to me I want her to give her heart to me I want to have trustworthy hands to hold her heart in my hands right and vice versa so 
it just starts usually you just start avoiding topics but then if that goes on, you could start to you see people, they'll develop a pattern of just, I'm never going to share what's on my heart. It's not just those three topics, five topics over there. It's just, I'm just not going to share things at all. I'm just, I'm just too scared. And I'll share, I'll be honest, you know, in our book, we're vulnerable. We talk about, you know, we, we are far from the perfect marriage, you know. Um, you know, you could say, oh, you're Dr. Edwards three. Do you guys just talk about the allergy of the body at the dinner table? <laughs> you know, we, we, we struggle like everybody else, but you know, if my wife were here and, and she would share that there were, there was a season in our marriage where she didn't feel safe to bring up certain like dreams, mm -hmm. ideas. And, um, and it's, it wasn't because I'm like a mean, horrible person. I hope I'm not, <laughs> you know, but, but I, you know, I, she would say, you know, my husband's super analytical. And instead of like just listening to my idea and let my heart speak, he would just immediately like, you know, I would I would just go into analytical mode. Like in my my world, I'm in the office and people want to do an initiative. I like, OK, what's the business plan? How are we going to fund it? How we, you know, like I'm thinking like that all the time. So she's like, hey, can we do this? I'm like, OK, yeah, show me the business plan. You know, where are we going? And she's just like, I just want to share, you know, so like when that would happen repeatedly, she just felt and she just told me she just says, I don't feel safe to share what's on my heart with you. And I was so sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when in those 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 seasons when I've done that, I you know I really got tears in my eyes, going, "Oh, what have I done? I want my wife to share her heart with me, and I'm clearly doing something that's not it's not sinful, you know, but it's not thoughtful, you know. And I'm 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 not thinking of her, and and I I have to you know I I think a lot of guys would just say, "Well, come on, just share your heart," you know, you know instead mm -hmm. of I needed to go look inside and say. I'm clearly doing something that needs to change here. Um, and I, I need to be more responsive. And yes, I can be analytical, but I'm 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 not just a business machine. You know, I'm a human person mm -hmm. and and that's who she married, and I need that part to right. come out right now. You right. know, and so, our strengths can get in the way sometimes. You know, our strengths that might help us thrive in a mission, in a business, in other relationships can sometimes get in the way in the most important relationships we have as well. And so I think you, know, you highlight that well and how some of these four walls that can go up in that divorce of the heart from not sharing what's on your heart to finding your purpose somewhere else. It's so important to be able to have that communication open. I know something my husband and I started doing a little over a year ago. We're still doing it today. It's a challenge actually we pose to our listeners here on Trending um, with our good friend Jim O'Day from Integrity Restored. And it was to share your highs and lows each day and to just listen as the other person shares their high the other person shares their low and it speaks a lot into what's going on in that other person's mind, day, experience, maybe how you wounded them, you know, what what might be going on in other areas, but it starts to kind of open up that uh, means of communication if you don't really know where to start sometimes as well. Absolutely. No, that's a great thing, right? Because that's not just, you know, how was your day, right? When you actually have to ask, I think about the highs and lows. You're, 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 you're sharing something that is dear to you. Like, well, this was my high. I had this great conversation or uh, this thing at the meeting went really well. And, you know, you're sharing something that's deep on your heart when you're excited, you know, the thing you're excited about. And that low part there, you're also revealing things that you're sad by, you know, saddened by or, you know, worried about. And again, it, 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 it that, and I really love that idea there is to, it, it helps to break down some of those barriers. Uh, mm -hmm. a great practice to bring in. That's awesome.
I have a question I'd like to throw out there. Um, someone called asking, my marriage has turned into just being roommates, like we're talking about, Dr. Sari. How do we just, how do we get past this? Uh, she said, we've been married for 36 years. We have three kids and no grandchildren. Uh, he had a pornography issue, but not anymore. And we did seek counseling. Yeah, I'd love to ask more questions, a little bit more, you know, about that. But um, I would just say, you know, this this is kind of one of the big, points I say is that people start to lose hope in their marriage after a while. Like they just, they'll have a narrative in their head. It's never going to get better. He's never going to change. She's never going to understand. And again, I, that the devil wants you to despair. Um, so never give up on the marriage. Always have hope, right? God brought you together and he's brought you, you know, you're, you're in this difficult situation here. <laughs> Nevertheless, he, God's still with you. The sacrament is still there. I would be praying, of course, for your marriage, calling on the graces of the sacrament for healing in your marriage. Uh, the second thing I would do is, and we write about this in the book, is again, I would really deeply look at myself. What what have I done to drive my husband away? So in this case here, you know, is there anything I've done? Is there something that I sense I've hurt him or I nag him about stuff or is, is like I would, and if if you can even if there's a way to talk about those things, and to, and to not be defensive about it, to really try to you know hold his heart in your hand carefully and listen to it, uh, I think that's that's one of the I'll I'll just say over the years, and I still struggle with this, but I struggle with it less, and it's just because I married a great woman and God's grace is awesome, I'm sure, but but I think early in my marriage I would like when I would hear the negative stuff. I immediately got defensive. Maybe I didn't say it, but in my heart I did. I was like, well, but she, or, but, you know, it doesn't, oh, this doesn't rational. This, this is how it should be. And more and more, I just go, you know, my wife's a good person and she's feeling this that I may not understand, but there's something there. And, and I, and I, I gotta, I gotta learn from this. I gotta try to figure out what that is. And it was like, I'm not just rejecting it outright. And, you know, in, even if it's just interiorly being defensive, so I, that's the, the, in addition to praying, I would really try it. If you can have a, any kind of conversation, what is it? Where are the struggles? And don't worry about the things you want him to change so much. Um, you know, that's secondary. Really, the biggest thing is on your end, you're really trying to change what is that. You know, you did say you went to marriage counseling, and, and God bless you for doing that. There's no shame in that. Um, it's actually very courageous. Only courageous people go to counseling. <laughs> so if you need the help, go for it, right? Um, I don't know how long you went and how long you tried it, so I don't know, but I would say, could you try again? Could you try with a different counselor maybe? Is there someone else that's there that you can go to? And then I would say, don't just go to counseling. After the counseling, go to the Adoration Chapel together. And like mm -hmm. just each individually, just take time to pray about and process, and you each go to the Adoration Chapel saying, Jesus, based on what we just heard at the counseling session, what are you inviting me to work on? What are you inviting me to grow in? What are you inviting me to change? Not her, not him, but me, <laughs> you know? Um, I think that I, I would encourage, try make another attempt uh, to go. You're, you're staying together and that's a good thing. God bless you both for doing that. Um, but God wants you to be much more than roommates. 
And it can happen. I think that so often uh, couples have these wounds and maybe it's been growing for years. I look at this, 36 years of marriage and God bless you again for that fidelity. But let's work and believe in miracles. And that miracle might not come today. It might not come tomorrow. It might not come next year. Uh, But the grace of the sacrament is so powerful. And the change that can occur within your own life and bring you to sanctification through Christ. And it can truly be there. And maybe this is part of the suffering, again, that God has allowed uh, for you and your spouse to go through. A couple resources just to mention, helpourmarriage.org. Again, that's helpourmarriage.org. We'll post a link on social media as well as in the podcast notes for today's show. Also, Retrovi, if you've never checked them out, they have been known both uh, for really helping uh, to heal marriages that are on the brink, absolute brink of despair. And uh, I think of another book that we've interviewed her here on Trending. That is Layla Miller. She compiled stories of people who are on the brink of divorce. It's called Impossible Marriages Redeemed. And so again, help your marriage or help our marriage.org is the Retrovi website. We'll post a link on social media. And if you're looking for a therapist, catholictherapist.com. That's catholictherapist.com is an excellent resource. Really quick, Dr. Sir, I want to run through these last two walls that you mentioned that people put up when they're kind of living that divorce of the heart, that chasm, like being roommates still together, but not quite together. You mentioned uh, where one spouse or both might start to find their purpose somewhere else, you know, turning to everything from kids, work, uh, friends, volunteering, diving into news and social media. How do you refocus that and bring that back to your marriage when you've been trying to find that fulfillment and gift of self in other places, which is good, but again, different from the vocation that you committed to? Yeah, you know, like if you start avoiding certain topics, then you just avoid sharing your heart as a whole. You, you can't live like that as a human being. You know, you, you just you, you, you have to have some purpose, some meeting. You want to be seen. You want to be known. And if you're not finding in your spouse, you're going to search elsewhere, right? And that doesn't mean an affair, although th- that can happen too. But it, it could just mean, you know, I just spend tons of hours on Instagram and I'm just looking at everybody else and I'm finding living in this co- virtual community, but I'm not really loving the person that God wants me to love the most right here, you know, or I'm going to go find my life in a career or, you know, a mom, I'll just go get a side hustle and I'll find some great purpose and meaning there. And, you know, so, so it's just like we, we can easily just put our effort and I, I'll say this again, I've seen this with many young, devout, committed Catholics that love mm. Jesus. They're orthodox. They listen to Catholic podcasts, go to Catholic conferences, go to Eucharistic Adoration, pray the rosary. And you'll see like things are tense at home, you know? And, and so the guy might just stay and pour out his life at work. He, he spends more hours in the office late at night or because he doesn't want to be at home because, you know, at, at, at home, there's just tension and criticism and nagging. And whereas at work, he gets pats on the back, affirmation, good job. You know, so it's like hard. So he runs away from the problem at home to, and tries to find his identity and fulfillment and affirmation in the workplace. You know, same thing. Women will do this like on you know, all these big, you know, moms, Instagram groups and things and, and nothing wrong with those things in themselves. But you want to examine yourself. Am I spending more time there getting to know those that world? Or am I really getting to know my husband's heart like that? Like if I'm like trying to find my meaning and purpose, nothing wrong with having a woman's group or these connections around the country through virtual, you know, uh, platforms and all fine. But if it, if that becomes a competition with my husband, man, the devil just has us in those moments, right? Cause he, he wants mm-hmm. that division. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's when we, when we, if, 
to really just examine that, you know, why am I spending all this time outside here? You know, do I spend, do I think about my heart, my wife more than my, than my work? Am I thinking about what she needs? Am I trying to build unity and friendship there more than I am just trying to, you know, get my identity through career and success? Like that would be a good examination, you know, for, for someone. Am I trying to find this in my ministry? I do. I mean, you see many good Catholics that they pour their lives out and all this ministry at the parish and in the diocese, or they start a podcast and they do all these different things. And, but they're not as present to the one that God wants them to be united to the most. Um, so I think, yeah, so do, do a great examination there and then realize, you know what, I'm just, I'm gonna, I need to step back from some of these other things. Because my identity, next to being a son of God, you know, I, I am called to be husband. I am called to be wife, right? And and God's going to ask me about that more than any book Edwards III has written. God is not really going to, like, when I get to, God willing, I make it to heaven, God isn't going to say, hey, thanks for all those good books. He's going to say, how'd you treat your wife? You know, were you there for her? When, when she was hurt, did you just run the other way? Or when there was tension, did you just run the other way? Or, or did you actually go and seek to bring reconciliation and make that the priority? Did you find your identity in your vocation as being husband, not in these other things? And, and I think that's that that's a, a, a great temptation for many people today. Amen. I completely agree. It's easy to throw ourselves into work, ministry, volunteering, our children, and as a means of, you know, giving as much as we can because that that's what we're called to, but sometimes missing that first responsibility in the vocation that we made a commitment to. Uh, really quickly, because we're coming up on a break here, you mentioned that fourth wall of losing hope for your marriage. You mentioned this idea of just acceptance of this is where it's at, at for me in my marriage and almost a spiritualization of where you acknowledge, you know, yes, we talked earlier about how marriage is a part of your cross, right? Um, but where you say, okay, this is my cross and you over-spiritualize rather than focusing on the change that needs to occur. Oh yeah, I think you know, I've I've heard this. I've heard people say, "Well, you know, my marriage, it's, you know, my my wife is just this way, and you know, our marriage is just a wreck, and that's just my cross I have to carry, and you know, I'm gonna just accept this, and it's like this kind of like pious spiritual thing. I'm carrying the cross, and like she's just this way, and that's never gonna change, and I'm just gonna have to bear it. You know, I'm gonna bear this suffering, and it sounds pious and spiritual, but it's not. It's selfish many times. In other words, it, it's a mask kind of covering up. Like, I don't want to actually have to work on this. I don't want to have to look at me and what I have to do to change and how I have to sacrifice to make things better here. You know, because in the end, on Judgment Day, when I go before God, he's going to ask me, did I give my, I might not be able to control my wife and, you know, and what's happening in the marriage, but I can control on my end. Did I give my very best and make this the number one priority to fight for her heart? to try to bring reconciliation, to bring that healing in our marriage. Did I do everything and I can't, or did I just, or did I just sit back and go, well, she's never going to change and it's just the way it is and it's her fault and I just have to bear this suffering. No, no, no. That That's a mask covering up, uh, you know, many times, not in every case, but many times could be a mask just covering up someone's own fear of having to deal with the problem or having to roll up their sleeves and, and actually work on their marriage. 
That's Dr. Edward Suri here on Trending with Tim Ray. He and his wife, Beth, co-authored the book, The Good, the Messy, and the Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Suri. We'll post the link on social media again. It's there if you'd like to pick up the book. And I am giving away a free copy, so just follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E on Facebook or Instagram to learn more about how to pick up this free copy. You're listening to Trending with Timory. It's great to be with you during our weekly marriage hour. Give me a call if you have a question. Lots of calls. 1-888-914-9149. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to our weekly marriage hour here on Trending. I wanted to dive into a meditation from St. Padre Pio, but we're running out of time. We have a number of fantastic calls on the topic of dating, relationships, and marriage. So we'll run through that next week here on the show, but we're going to take this question great questions. Uh, Christina is calling from Albuquerque, New Mexico. She's been dating a man for 10 years. Christina, welcome to Trending. What's your question? When do you resign to the despair? I pray for him. He's come back to the church uh, six months ago. Um, He works, he works, he works, he works. And every time the phone rings, he answers it. And that's the priority. And I am never the priority. Oh, Christina, I I feel for you. I look at that and I'm just thinking 10 years of dating this man waiting for you to become the priority and to become his bride. And I I know that pain. I've been there. I without getting into my own story, my husband and I dated for somewhere around 7 years before we finally got married and I do not share that as an ideal and I do not say that people should wait around that long. And in fact, Quite the contrary would both my husband and I say, uh, we never should have waited that long. And yes, God can work in the messiness of all of that. And, you know, you could talk about everything from student loans to starting businesses, you know, all of those reasons why things like that uh, happen and put us years delayed into what seemed like a delayed vocation. So I think the initial response is when you see those 10 years, it's time to make what arguably is a legitimate ultimatum. And I don't like ultimatums, but ultimatums are legitimate. And it's a boundary to protect ourselves. When you've been dating someone for so long, where you say, okay, we've been dating for 10 years. Again, I don't know what, you know, age or stage in your life you're in, if there's a potential possibly for having children still. I don't know what all of those details are, but either way, 10 years is a long time to ask someone to commit to you without actually committing to them. And that's the bottom line. As hard as it is, he's not committed to you yet. And so you need to have that conversation. Give him a time frame. You know, it might be six months. It might be three months. But it also sounds to me like you have to realize you marry what you date. And you can't expect him to be different in marriage than he is in your current dating circumstances. And it sounds like he's not present to you. And that's a real crisis. Will he be present in marriage? And uh, things probably won't really change or might a little bit at the beginning and then you know, go back to old habits. So praise the Lord, he's come back to the Catholic Church. I think that's a good sign. That could mean, you know, it means for possible hope, but you are not his savior. You should not be dating him for the sake of coming back to the church and you should not stay dating him because you have seen him come back to the church. If he stops going to church, 
and you guys were to break up or you were to give an ultimatum, that's on him, not on you. And I think sometimes when we're helping someone through a conversion or we're witnessing a conversion, those two things of dating and a conversion can uh, be muddied together in a confusing way, both for the person who's converting or reverting as well as the person who's dating. So my challenge for you is in the midst of what you're saying, despair that God has a plan for all of us. And I know it's so hard to hear, especially from a feminine heart wanting to be married. Uh, and I think of those words of Jeremiah, where in chapter 29, he says, "For I, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God wants to give you a future, but also sometimes we can stand in the way of our own future. By that, maybe not holding a man to high enough standards of saying enough is enough, 10 years is a long time, or being willing to say I'm holding on too tightly to this relationship for the wrong reasons, and it's hurting me for a reason. And so I want to encourage you really prayerfully, uh, set those boundaries, say enough is enough, give the opportunity, or maybe you recognize it is time to walk away and you just haven't done it yet, but you have to do something 10 years in dating. You can't keep hanging out there. That's a really long time and can be very, very harmful for both of you, for both of you. And that's important to have that compassion for him as well, uh, even in the midst of all of it. So praying for you, Christina, if you're with me, we're going to pray for Christina and this man she's dating that answers are clear, solutions happen, and let us know how it goes. I would always love to hear from you, and I am truly am praying for you, Christina. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio during our weekly marriage hour. Tons of questions coming in. Mary's calling from New Jersey. Mary, real quick, what's your question for us today on Trending? Do you agree with me that if your in-laws are always causing trouble in the marriage, you should cut yourself adrift from them? I think that's the best thing. Okay, Mary, so you think that if your in-laws are causing problems in the relationship, you should cut yourself off from them. You think that's the best thing. Woo, okay, how much time do we have? This is a tough topic, but I also think very important because just like I was talking about with Christina, boundaries are important. And if it's causing strife within your marriage, something has to be done. Does that necessarily mean that you cut the in-laws off? Not necessarily. I, To be really frank, I think... In probably 99.99% of all cases, there will be some form of strife that occurs within the marriage because of in-laws, either the way we handle in-laws or just differences in how things are communicated or occurred. But you're married and your first vocation for both you and your spouse is your responsibility, your commitment is to one another. And so if there needs to be distance, if there needs to be boundaries, there needs to be some strong boundaries and walls that are put up, do that, but don't immediately go to cutting them off. I think that you start with putting up those walls, those boundaries, and if they can't respect those boundaries, there are ramifications for that. And so I think it's really important to ponder that. There's a great book out there. I read it a few years ago. It's called Boundaries, and it's by Henry Cloud, I believe. Uh, a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Yes, Boundaries. I'm pulling it up. He actually wrote one for marriage specifically and one not. But Boundaries, we're going to post a link on social media by Henry Cloud, an excellent, excellent book that can help you with going, no, let's try and put some boundaries up first. And then if they can't respect those boundaries, that's when you look at taking more drastic means. But I agree with you. If there are other people interfering in your marriage, 
You need to put the boundary up and create the separation. Is that a permanent separation? Well, I think that's a big, big wound and a big decision to make that we have to recognize that's the other person's parents who have loved them and cared for them. And maybe there is a legitimate reason to cut people off at times, and there are, but there are also ways to give an opportunity for us to choose to see how we respond to their interactions and behavior. And family is family. We're called to strive to help others heal and not to create a bigger chasm if possible. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. It's been our weekly marriage hour. Thanks for joining me. More questions coming up next week.